Hey friends, it's Olive here. Welcome to the Big Bright Dark Podcast, where we humbly offer insights, connections, and creative responses for navigating our lives in this time of, there's really no other word for it at this moment, climate crisis. And it's really good to be here with you, as always. Before we get started, I want to remind you that we have five other painstakingly crafted episodes all available through our website, through Stitcher or iTunes and SoundCloud. And there's one about whales and music and healing from trauma. And there's one about lessons for being or not being an activist. There's wisdom about the role of anger in this time. And of course, there's our inaugural piece, which is still one of my favorites, And the Bees Were Calling Me. And our seventh episode is already underway. It's about a road trip to the tar sands, a center point of the climate crisis in Canada and legacies of colonization in this place. And it's an attempt to find the sweetness of life along the way. Anyways, back to this episode, episode six. Today, we are taking you, friends, all the way back in time to Earth Day 2018. And we're taking you to a church for a sermon delivered by a rabbi. If I were a stand-up comedian, there'd be some kind of joke in here about, did you hear the one about the rabbi who walked into a church on Earth Day? Except uh, I'm really not a comedian, and that's about as much joking as I can get in this podcast, I think. Anyways, well, we'll see. Maybe we'll do a comedy and climate change episode. Let us know if you have ideas for that. Uh, Anyways, if you are like me in any way, The idea of being taken to church might not actually be the most comfortable thing for you. I was raised in a household that landed somewhere between secular Jewish and agnostic. On the other hand, maybe a church or a temple or a synagogue is a place where you feel right at home, or other places of worship are familiar and you resonate with the idea of church. And perhaps you have some other experience altogether that I haven't described. Whatever it is, what I want you to know about this episode, at least for me, is that the sermon that Rabbi Laura Duhan Kaplan offers feels more like a part history lesson, a part biology lesson, and a part kind of philosophy lesson. She offers an interpretation of the original Bible story, the story of Genesis, that seems to me to speak directly to our accountability and our interconnection with the other-than-human world in a way that is so relevant to now. And she kicks the whole thing off with a really sweet anecdote about meeting a hornet at a coffee shop. So with all that in mind, let me tell you a little bit more about Rabbi Laura before we settle into our pews. Rabbi Laura Duhan Kaplan spoke at the Canadian United Memorial Church on unceded Coast Salish territory in a place also known as Vancouver, British Columbia. As a side note, the guy who operated their soundboard was very helpful to me. Thank you very much, Andrew. Rabbi Laura has one of those biographies that's hard to fit into a few sentences, but I can tell you that she has a PhD in philosophy and education. She's an author and editor of several books, and for a decade she served as a rabbi at one of our local synagogues. She's currently a faculty member at the Vancouver School of Theology, as well as a fellow with Rabbis Without Borders, a pluralistic U.S.-based Jewish think tank. Along with her partner, she parents two young adults and is, in her words, a caretaker of a changing array of companion animals. We hope that the words she shares 
are able to reach you and deepen your sense of awe for or connection with creation, however you understand it. And one more thing before we start, the singing that you hear at the beginning is chanting done in the traditional Jewish style for public scripture reading. So lean back, enjoy, and we'll see you on the other side. Et ha-shamayim ve-et ha-aretz Ve-ha-aretz Ha-ta tohu v-avohu Ve-choshech al-pnei t-chom Ve-ruach Elohim Merachefet al-pnei ha-mayim Ve-yomer Elohim Yehi or Ve-yehi or Ve-yahar Elohim Et ha-ohor kitov Ve-yavdehel Elohim בין האור ובין החושך, ויקרא אלוהים לאור יום, ולחושך קרא לילה, ויהי ערב ויהי בוקר יום אחד. Last summer, I was at the Grind Cafe on Main Street. I was sitting in the grind near the window, trying to get some writing done but I got distracted by a loud buzzing. A bald-faced hornet was trying to get back outside. The hornet flew, rested, flew, rested, and then it crawled down the side of my table. This was a large hornet, about three quarters of an inch long with a black armored body and kind of a clownish white face. That's what a bald-faced hornet looks like. And normally, I avoid hornets. <laughs> but I had just read in a wonderful book that, quote, wild hornets are an important part of the natural environment. In fact, the book went on, bald-faced hornets can be considered beneficial to humans. They pollinate flowers and they eat aggressive yellow jackets. So I leaned over the edge of the table and I looked directly into the hornet's face. And I said, hi, beautiful. The window isn't safe. Here, climb up on my notebook. And immediately the hornet crawled up the table leg onto the table and made a beeline, so to speak, for my notebook. <laughs> and then it settled on the middle of the opened page and it waited. At that time, I did not know much about bald-faced hornets, so I said to the hornet, I don't know where you live. You'll have to tell me. I carried the notebook outdoors to the nearest quiet street, the hornet just waited. I showed the hornet a flower, not interested. Grass, not interested. Finally, I brought the notebook to a tree trunk. And in body language, the hornet said, yes, that's it. It walked off the notebook and quickly climbed up the tree. I don't know if this was the tree in which this hornet's nest was built, but I trusted the wisdom of the hornet. 
Why did I help this one little hornet? Because I depend on this hornet. And this hornet should be able to depend on me. I'm a conscious thinking creature, at least that's how I experience myself. And I should assume that the hornet experiences itself that way as well. Because that's what I understand that God created. A world of interdependent conscious creatures. This is what Genesis chapter 1 says. Especially if you read Genesis with the help of Midrash. Midrash is a Hebrew word that means deep inquiry. And it refers to interpretations and legends about the Bible developed over centuries of Jewish tradition. Some stories in the Midrash are as old as the biblical text itself. So in synagogue and in Hebrew school, we study Midrash along with the Torah, along with the Bible. So let's study a little bit of Midrash right now. And let's inquire deeply into the creation story. On the first day of creation, says the Bible, God called the light day and the darkness God called night. That's our standard literal English translation of the Hebrew. But of course, every translation, even a literal one, is also an interpretation. And according to this interpretation, God makes something, steps back to look at it from a distance, and then gives it a name. But stop for a moment and think. Does this translation, this interpretation, make sense? Because God just said, light, come into being. God has already named the new being light. Why would God also turn around and name it day? Light and day aren't even the same thing. So here's another equally literal translation. God called to the light day and to the darkness God called night. According to this translation and interpretation, God creates something and then God speaks directly to it. And a legend from the Midrash describes this first conversation. A very old legend. God says, hey light, I'd like you to work during the day. And hey, dark, I'd like you to work during the night. And the creatures consent. They say, okay. With their consent, quote, it was evening, it was morning, a day, unquote. This is a challenging midrash, especially when you place it next to 
our ordinary perceptions of light and dark. In our everyday perception, light is not really a being. Light is an energy generated by a spark or an electrochemical reaction. Scientists can't figure out what kind of a thing light is. Is it a wave? Is it a particle? Is it a photon? Does it change every time you look at it? And dark is so subtle, we think it's just the absence of light. It's not even a thing. But from God's perspective, says the Midrash, light and dark are conscious beings. And if we can develop spiritual perception, we can see that. We can see that light and dark are conscious and we can understand why God speaks directly to them. And we can understand why in the creation story, God keeps talking to them day after day. On the sixth day, says Genesis, God is ready to create human beings. And God says, let us make a human being in our image, in our likeness. Now the Bible recognizes only one creator. So you might wonder, who is God talking to? Who is us? Whose image is our image? And you probably have wondered this if you've read Genesis 1. And you probably have come up with your own answer. But here's one answer from a Midrashic legend. God is talking to everyone created so far. Light, land, plants, stars, birds, fish, insects, mammals. God says to all of creation, help me. Help me design someone who is a little bit like each and every one of you. Help me design someone who will recognize you. Someone who will not regard all of you as a stranger, as an alien, as an other to be taken advantage of. And when we have designed and I have created that being, let's all work together to sustain this new creation. And I imagine at this point that all the creatures together chant Psalm 148, saying, you bet, we're on board. And this Midrash is not so unique because there's another famous one that asserts the reason human beings were created last is we are the least self-sufficient creatures of all the creatures on the planet. Our life depends on everything that was created 
before us. And don't be surprised if this reminds you of local indigenous wisdom. The Hebrew Bible is an indigenous text of the ancient Near East. It's woven from oral stories about life on the land. And in these stories, human life depends on donkeys, on ravens, eagles, wasps, medicinal plants, just to name a few of the creatures with starring roles in the Bible. And so no wonder the very first story in this collection presents a philosophy of sustainability. Think about our life today. Worms till our soil. Bees pollinate our food. Moths spin our fabrics. Mosquitoes feed the fish that we eat. Flies process our garbage. The distinguished insect biologist Edmund O. Wilson calls this work free ecosystem services. <laughs> and he calculates the value of this freely donated labor as equal to the gross domestic product of all human countries combined. Without insects, Wilson says, flowering plants and herbs would become sterile. They would disappear. So would birds. So would vegetarian animals. Bacteria would multiply in rotting material. And maybe at first, conifers and wind-pollinated grasses would spread with some joy but the soil quality would quickly deteriorate and these plants would also disappear. And then, in Wilson's own words, amid widespread starvation during the first several decades, human populations would plunge to a small fraction of their former level. The wars for control of the dwindling resources, the suffering, the tumultuous decline to dark age barbarism would be unprecedented in human history. Clinging to survival in a devastated world and trapped in an ecological dark age, the human survivors would offer prayers for the return of weeds and bugs. We depend on other creatures, even creatures as small and scary as a hornet. So let's pray for the wisdom for the spiritual perception, for the scientific insight, for the indigenous knowledge, and for the political will to sustain other creatures so that they 
can depend on us too. Just as they freely donate their labor to us, let us freely donate our labor to them. Hey friends, welcome back. Let us donate our labor. That's kind of a beautiful phrase, isn't it? I feel like it's a whole other way to think about activism or our response in general to living in this time of ecological and climate crisis. So what labor are you feeling called to donate at this time? Let us know. We always love to hear from folks. You can find us at bigbrightdark.org. You can also find us on Stitcher and iTunes and SoundCloud, and that's where you can write a review, which really helps us reach a broader audience. And of course, you can also pass this on to friends and colleagues or others who you think might find resource or connection in the work that we're doing here. It makes a big difference, and we really appreciate it. This episode was brought to you by me, Olive Dempsey, by Jana Grazley, and by Christina Kuhn. Original theme music is written and recorded by Mark Beattie. Big Bright Dark is produced on the traditional unceded territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh people. We look forward to seeing you again, and thanks, as always, for joining us. <laughs>